1: Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell.
3: Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with Dan Emmer, who is the founding executive director of Worthwhile Wear. Uh, Worthwhile Wear takes a big problem like human trafficking and inspires people to become a part of the solution. We're going to learn all about Worthwhile Wear today, Um, but a little about Dan. He um, had been working six years in a successful sales and marketing career at an engineering firm. This is sounding very familiar and gave it all up to follow his desire to help survivors of human trafficking. Leveraging his business development experience and life lessons from growing up in the Ukraine, Dan set out to meet the needs of survivors of human trafficking, where he saw a gap in services. With more than a decade of working with survivors and leading a growing nonprofit, Dan is eager to share what he's learned so that others can be equipped and encouraged to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank
4: you, Vanessa. Thank you for having me.
3: Yeah, so... I always like to start off by, you know, it It, it sounds like something happened, right, six years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, what was that that happened that kind of changed your life, rocked your world? And what is it about maybe, you know, your past, your your values, your beliefs that informs making a decision like that to walk away from a successful career?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's one I think a lot of people are curious about. Like, why did you make that decision? Because from the world's perspective, a horrible career choice, right? <laughs> from
1: from a, <laughs> right.
4: a lucrative job that paid for a mortgage for our house in Florida, a mortgage for our house in Pennsylvania, all that fun stuff, um, to where we're, you know, leaving that. So really what started that, um, back in 2010, Uh, I had learned about human trafficking and and it was one of those things uh, I was sitting in church. uh, I was not seeking this type of work. Uh, I was happy with my career job. Uh, But when I learned about human trafficking and this young couple that shared um, and I learned that, you know, modern day slavery was alive and well today, it really, it took me back to when I was a kid in, in 10th grade Um, when the history teacher had asked a simple question and it it was, this was, you know, class, if you were alive, when slavery was here in America, would you have done something? Would you have intervened? And as a 10th grader, I I remember, I raised my hand and he asked Mm. why. And I said, because I believe everyone deserves to be free. And so fast forward all these years later, I was kind of now faced with this realization that slavery was still around. And what should I do? So that's kind of where it started from. And for me, the other part of it was, I got to give credit where credit is due, is my parents set a great example for me. Um, you know, they they raised me and my, my three older siblings just outside of Philadelphia. And we had um, a lot of fun things. You know, my father worked for Prudential Investments, had some startup companies, some investment properties. My mother was a, a nurse at the ICU. And so we had like 18 acres of land. My two older brothers and I rode our dirt bikes around. My sister, you know, could afford certain things. We had an in-ground swimming pool. All these fun things. But one day, you know, my parents pulled us all in and said, "Hey, you know, all these things that we've afforded you are fun, but they're not really what's important." And so they challenged us and they said, "Listen, uh, we think what we need to do is invest in something that's much more important and invest in people." And so they proceeded to tell us that there's this country that just came out from under communism. This country of Ukraine. And they said, we're going to move there and live there and serve these people and, and help um, provide humanitarian aid and, and do missions work. And at, at that age, I was 12. And so all I'd known is every year we went to Cancun, Mexico. And so I was thinking, great, this is kind of like the white sandy beaches of Ukraine. Uh, yeah. I was a little bit disappointed, but I, I do give my parents credit because they set that example for me of setting aside the things that we oftentimes strive for, um because that's what we're told is is what is important is things but really investing in others is where um I saw the value of what they've done and that is that kind of what led me to make that decision as well even though it was a, a not a great career move it was one that I I don't look back on um 11 years now worthwhile where it's been in existence and I uh, still uh see it as as something that's a mission and a calling every day I do it
3: wow that is so cool. And I love that, you know, boy, your parents really stepped out, moved the whole family to the Ukraine. And how long were you there?
4: I was there from um, 12 till 18. So I was there for about six years. So all my years. four, four years. Yeah.
3: Wow. What are some of the things when you think about um, things that, you know, maybe a, a child in the U.S. takes for granted? What are, a couple of the things that pop up for you when you when you think about your experience there.
4: Man, I, I we needed a long list to write all that. Yeah. I, you know, what's so funny is I, I I encourage people when they talk about, you know, possibly moving overseas or something, I said you should do it for your kids' sake because it gives them such a, a better perspective of the world because we see the world through our eyes, which isn't a wrong thing. We see our, our the world through the lens of of Americans where we have a lot at our disposal. But when you grew up in a developing country, you know, I grew up on a, on a dirt street. And I, I remember um, I came back to the U.S. and my, my aunt was driving me home from the airport. I think I was probably 15. And she still tells the story. She says, I just started laughing because you just started saying, wow, wow. And, and she's like, what are you saying wow to? And, and she's like, I, I said wow to the roads. I was so impressed with the roads. And, um, and then the other time I remember as a 16-year-old, I was working my first job here. I'd come back from Ukraine. Uh, for some, for a break, for some schooling. And uh, before going back, I had a job at Walmart. And I remember I I was checking this, this woman out and she was um, at register. I was checking her out and she was just going on and on the house upset. She was that we didn't have the particular bread she wanted or the particular lunch meat she wanted. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't hold my tongue as a 16 year old. I said, ma'am, you need to be grateful for what you have Because I, I, you know, I said, I I lived in another country where you'd have to go to one store and hope they had bread and then go to another store and hope they had milk. So there's a lot of that, um, gives you a much broader world perspective of really appreciation for culture. That was something I brought back with me is understanding that, um, we all have different cultures. We have macro cultures of our countries. We have micro cultures of of our society, our, our, our communities and where we live and our families. And just being aware of that has really helped us, um, as an organization develop what we call a very healthy culture. And it's something we talk about that we hear and and, and value all those that are engaged. Um, you know, our organization now is a, le- a little over 11 years old have about 80 staff. And we really see a continuity across the different departments because of that understanding of the value of culture. And we want people to mm-hmm. want to be part of what we've developed. So those are some of the things I've learned uh, many more I could share, but, um, just a few to get you started,
3: wow, that's beautiful. Well, there's so much for us to talk about here. um we have first of all, so cool that you are currently living in Pennsylvania, where I am from, originally from Pennsylvania as well, and we've started our journey you eleven years, me twelve years ago, right around the same time um and um these different ways that you become aware that the the what you have um is it's valuable. I don't want to be uh crass uh because I was super grateful for my my yeah. bomb.com role in tech, but um, it's worth so much more when you can use that as a platform to care for others. Um I you know and I love what you said about the you know the experience of people outside of the US I often wish That we could just load up a a plane and and uh, load it up with some of the people from uh, the community and um, and just, you know, bring them to some of the places that I've been to in Jamaica or in Indonesia or in um, Mexico um, and have folks take a look, you know, even if we could just, uh, you know, I've tried this in the past load up in our cars because we're in California and drive to Tijuana and see how people are living in trash piles there. Um, it's just, um, it's heartbreaking and it's humbling. And um, and not to say we don't have, you know, there are some areas like um, Deep East Oakland. Um, you're going to see some similar experiences there, uh, Figueroa and L.A., um, different um, different neighborhoods, you're going to see some similar experiences. But for the most of us here in the uh, Bay Area, for sure, the experience is much better here than it would be uh, in many of the countries where they're pretty good neighborhoods. So, um, yeah. So, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And I want to you know you you've, you're doing all kinds of cool stuff. you have worthwhile thrift, um, you have uh, you know different uh, things that you're working on that are basically funding uh, providing some of these services that people survivors need so very much. So I want everyone to know uh, what you're up to so we'll be right back and thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
1: For more information on this program, visit LoveNeverFailsUs.com. That's LoveNeverFailsUs.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages.
2: Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510 566 4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510 566 4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Are you struggling to find peace in your life? Feeling
4: anxious? Or going through a difficult life storm? Scott Dixon, a Christian humanitarian filmmaker and host of the Dove Teachings web series, wants you to know that you are not alone. Go to DoveTeachings.org to see great Dove Teaching lessons, pastor insights, and aspiring testimonies. You can watch the current show and more at DoveTeachings.org. That's D-O-V-E,
1: teachings.org, where you will find peace in your daily life through the teachings of Jesus. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Dan Ammer, who is the executive director and founder of Worthwhile Wear. We were just talking about how he got started. Um, What an amazing uh, tran- transformation and shift away from a successful sales career into running worthwhile wear. maybe just share a little bit about uh, what worthwhile where where entails.
4: Yeah, absolutely. When we started this work, you know, initially I was learning about the issue of human trafficking and the scale and scope of it. And uh, you know, my initial understanding was that, you know, this is an issue that is happening. Um, in a lot of developing countries. And a lot of times in developing countries, trafficking is is started and perpetuated by an economic need. And so we started our work actually in India. um, And and the name Worthwhile Wear comes from that work that we started there and that we worked with survivors and those at high risk of being trafficked and taught them employable skills and namely was making Worthwhile Wear apparel. So Worthwhile Wear apparel is still something that we do today. It's something that's sold here in the U.S., um, what we do is basically make blank t shirts. So when you go to a screen printer, typically people will say, Hey, I want to promote uh, my awesome podcast, Love Never Fails, on a t shirt. And that printer will print it on a Gildan or Next Level or whatever shirt. Um, but you have the option now of printing on a, a justice based shirt, which would be a worthwhile wear a shirt. And our our clothing says, You know, made in India, empowering women everywhere. And so that's where we started. And then we we started to understand the issue is a, a comprehensive one. It's not just an over there issue. It's, it's something that happens where we live in our country here in the US. And so, um, you know, my first thing is, and I always encourage people, is get educated, uh, learn about something prior to jumping in and getting started. Um, and so we've started to understand the scale and scope here in the US and what that looked like and um, start developing pro- programs here. And so our approach here is to really kind of serve a survivor wherever she's at in her journey. And that means um, we can connect with them in, in one of three programs that we offer here in the U.S. So first, we we have the opportunity to connect with them through an outreach program called Worth It. And, uh, and I can expand on these later, but um, just to briefly give you an overview, Worth It is a multi-week program that runs in our communities all throughout the greater Philadelphia area. All the way out to Reading and Harrisburg, we have um, worth it's that run out there. And that's where women come to this classroom type setting and learn about uh, services that are available to them. We also spend a lot of time addressing trauma, unidentified trauma and working through that. Uh, then they can graduate from the worth it program. They can apply to our long term housing program. Uh, just outside of Philadelphia. We have two properties. One is a a beautiful 82-acre property with walking trails, a creek. Um, We have housing there. We have our our education counseling center. And that program is called The Well. And they can stay there for up to two years um, where we can really work on foundation building, um, putting in place all the things that they need for that long-term success to build a strong foundation. They also have the opportunity while in The Well housing program to go to uh, graduate housing, which is another property where we have um, basically the opportunity to live independently while still having case management, because what we heard from women over the years is that they have that fear and, and understandably so fear of kind of stepping out of their own after going through this program. So we said, Hey, what if we can add in an extra part of um, kind of independent practice, living, uh, paying bills, sending aside a budget, all that stuff, uh, living on your own, but still having that care and case management from our program. And so we we incorporated that And then finally, what we offer, because um, what we realize is you can offer housing, you can offer um, programming, that stuff's great. But if you um, have someone graduate from a housing program and never had employment, then in a sense, you're kind of doing them a disservice because they don't know how to then sustain themselves beyond that. So we, um, in tandem with launching our housing program, we also launched an employment program, which is through our worthwhile thrift stores. And so worthwhile thrift is something where it's a, I know people sometimes say, is it like a traditional thrift? Uh, yes. In a sense, but they're really awesome. Um, they look, they're, they're like high end um, kind of boutique feel um, you know, they're, they're larger scale. The one we just opened was in a Sears. Um, we're opening another one, hopefully soon, in another grocery store, um, former grocery right. store setting. And that's where we can provide employment to the women and, and they have an opportunity to, Learn a lot of things because sometimes they start there and and they just either had no experience or or or, you know experience from years ago of working in a in a a job type setting where they need to kind of get reeducated or or refreshed on that stuff. And so we employ them and we say start with us for at least ninety days and then you can start applying elsewhere where they can stay on. And so we've had a lot of success of women transitioning from that to career jobs. um, You know, working in. In, in health, um, working in manufacturing, working in um, different variety of different jobs. And so we see the value in that program. So that's kind of like our scope of of our work is really work with them wherever they're at, because um, it is a big issue, trafficking. And so it needs a big response, a holistic response. And that's what we've developed over the last 11 years.
3: Yeah. Wow. It's it's uncanny, actually, uh, how similar our programs are. And I just love it because it just it it uh, it's demonstrates it validates that this is, you know, this isn't some fluke. Right. Um, We're actually seeing success when you give people, uh, you know, 18 months to 24 months to to stabilize. And then you give them jobs and you give them a third, you know, the, the, the next phase to go to with case management, all of that. So very much on page with you on all of this. And uh, so, so uh, valuable. Tell tell me more about uh, and we we also have a, a, a place where we uh, we give away clothing. So um, and, uh, you know, and it's sort of a boutique, as you mentioned. Um, tell me tell me more about. Um, how you are equipping people um, to graduate? Is that is there a psychosocial element to your programming? Do you um, are they in counseling? Are they um, you know? Are they going to uh, different kinds of um, health classes? What, what do you do there?
4: Yeah. So uh, the, again, because um, we're we're working on what we call, again, foundation building is providing with all the tools and things that they need for that. Um, so what it looks like by the time you have someone graduating through our program, so they may join us and, and many of the women have come through our program, started in worth at the outreach program. They first engage with, with us there. Um, that's where we first start that dialogue about trauma. And I'm going to kind of take a little bit of time about talking about, about trauma because, oftentimes what we see are there in our society, there are a lot of services out there and it's great. I'm not downplaying the importance of them. And so you'll have services for addiction, for homelessness, for, for broken relationships, for housing, all these different things. But what I think is often missing and and, and likely what you see and your listeners have, have seen and heard is that we'll see these individuals go through these programs, receive these services, and then wind up there again. And so what we really is, is when you address um, the surface, right? You address the visible needs. Uh, that's great, but you oftentimes will see a relapse or a reuse of that um, if trauma is never addressed. And so we make it a priority to work with individuals with women that are eighteen and over to identify trauma because trauma is is so complex. It's something that affects the mind, the body, um, the health, and so what we need to do is help them first understand that. Likely, you know, their story, they don't realize that it involved exploitation. That's the first thing. And and so we we share with them, you know, what does this look like? How do people exploit? And you'll see a light bulb moment. So this all starts at our worth it program. And they'll be like, that's what happened to me. Such and such a person, this, this family member, this boyfriend who is who started to sell me. Right. And so that gives them a little bit of a measure of grace because it's not just that they've made a stupid mistake. It's because someone was leading them down a path. And then and then they identify the trauma that has happened within them. And trauma is such a, a negative force in life. And, and, and so it's an internal voice that becomes um, a, a voice that tries to tear down, to break down, um, and it tries to limit individuals from succeeding. And so if we never address that voice, we never silence that voice of trauma, then that perpetuation happens where I just was speaking at one of our programs is in a, in a local prison. And I shared with them, I said, how many of you feel like you've done really well for a while in your life? And, and you felt like you got back on track. And then before you know it, you're back off track. And, and in fact, you are where you are right now in prison and every single one of them raised their hands. So they, they all were saying I've done well at a point in my life. And I said, do you understand though, that, that likely that is happening because you have unresolved trauma in your life. Um, mm. and, and so, one of the things that we do is we, we spend time really um, investigating that and then equipping them with the tools. Um, and so, we, we do that. We also um, help them with different um, resources. Counseling is a big part of that, different types of therapies that we do. Um, we do different types of uh, physical activities, exercises, because it's you're addressing the the holistic approach, the whole being is what you're trying to work on uh, and equip them with everything that they need for that. So um, women that go through our whole program, start it worth it, go through the housing, um, go through the employment program. They typically graduate. They have um, address trauma, equip themselves with tools to address trauma. They usually have about ten thousand dollars in savings. They have their first um, apartment, their first vehicle, and then this is one of the most important parts. We start this and worth it and continue it through the, the housing is we connect them and they have to graduate with at least three healthy mentors, three healthy people because mm. we say, hey, programming's great, but the thing that really changes people and keeps people on track, are our, our healthy relationships yeah. and so we encourage that and we actually make it a requirement upon graduation that you have three people outside of this program that you can go to in time of need that you, that, that will speak truth to you to encourage you to continue on your path and that's where we see that long-term success, success really take place is having that type of model
3: yes Woo. okay we got to take a quick break we're going to come back and we're going to talk some more about this thanks for listening to love never fails radio
1: to join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors.
5: This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Dam Emmer, who is the founding executive director of Worthwhile Wear. And we were just hearing about his amazing program. Um, I just love that you focus on trauma. I, I couldn't agree with you more personally uh, that the relapse and going back is because of the unresolved trauma, and, and I guess I I want to talk a little bit more about that because um, you know recently we've had some situations where um, we 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 thought that someone had gotten to a certain level of healing and we um, you know pushed them into phase three housing and uh, they have jobs and things like that and and um and then stuff came up and it it got me thinking about the many layers um of of uh trauma you know that it's like peeling peeling back the onion and you you know one thing that i had to sit with myself on is uh, because initially when these things happen i thought man, you didn't, you know, you, you didn't see this, you know, what's wrong with you, Vanessa, you and your team, you didn't see this was coming. And what I realized is that, Hey, you know, I've been working on my trauma for 20 plus years and there's still little things that, you know, raise their ugly heads in my ha- in my life. And so that this is a lifelong struggle. And I just love that you have the, the idea of the mentors I think is spot on. Um, You know, what are some other things that you do to safeguard, you know, your own hearts as staff and to make sure that uh, we have realistic um, expectations about, you know, relapse and maybe maybe even accepting that that may happen along the way. And it's part of the healing process. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I think um, you hit it there with um in, in providing care, right, it's important because um, vicarious trauma is a real thing, meaning that you can take on elements of trauma from hearing um, significant, you know, complex trauma stories from survivors. And so we work with our staff to um, be continually educated. We work with different trainings that we offer um, through our own trainings that we develop in-house to others that we find um outside of our programs um, and, and one of the things we also focus on and we, we stress this a lot is is um having healthy boundaries um it's we want our staff to be able to connect with but also know that when you need to step away that you can say and it's encouraged that you step away that you have those healthy boundaries we also uh, offer free counseling for our staff um because we see it's so important. So it's not counseling that's offered from our staff to our 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 other staff. It's mm-hmm. counseling we've contracted with an outside agency that can offer that for all of our staff, whether they're working in the Worth It program, the housing program, our admin team or the stores. They all have access to that because we want them to know that they have support in that way. And then, you know, that culture, um, we have our core values that we talk about and our core values is really like our foundation, our, our starting point. And we go back to that quite often when we do our our staff retreats through our departments and we we, we want to hear what the staff needs are um, because we want our staff to be healthy and mm-hmm. they have to be healthy in, in order to to help. Um, serve the women and so um we work in that way but also working with volunteers because a lot of times and i'm sure you know this you have volunteers they come in well-intentioned and sometimes that well-intentioned they they bypass right they unknowingly bypass the education piece but if you come into something without being educated you're going to do more harm than good and so we we really spend time helping educate people on that and so our volunteers also the community um you know, one of the things we talked about in trauma, and I said the voice of trauma, we actually just produced a short film uh, called The Voice of Trauma to help individuals understand what does trauma look like if we were to visualize it in a different way? Because you and I can look at someone, we could say, that person looks healthy. They look, they look fine, right? They're doing well. They're, they're saying the right things. But but trauma, right? That's a, that negative voice that is within us when we experience especially significant complex trauma where you've experienced a traumatic event over and over again. um, That voice is inside of us. It's always seeking to tear down. And so this um, short film is being shown in film festivals across the country. It's helping um, uh, those that have experienced trauma, understand that they're not alone in this, that they oftentimes will see this film and be like, that's exactly how it feels. And, And then they're like, well, then someone else must understand and so that's what our hope is, that we, we educate, provide those resources and tools so that our teams, our, our, our staff and our volunteers are all equipped to serve. And, and when they need to take a break, when they need to rest and, and preserve themselves and have um, self-care, that, that they do that and we support them in that. So those are some of the ways that we do that um, to make sure we have a, a healthy community serving those um, in our programs.
3: Oh, wow. 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 Amazing. Well, um, so so just just thinking some more about that self-care piece for your staff. I'd love to hear, um, you know, and we're actually going to we'll probably cut in the middle and then bring it back in in our fourth segment. But self-care is got to be super important for your staff, as you mentioned earlier, the counseling that is provided. Um, are there other things that you are doing to make sure that your staff is, uh, is healthy?
4: Yeah, we, we try to, um, are always looking to add more things in where we can, um, some of the things that we, we offer, I had mentioned the staff retreats. It's actually a healthy time where we come together as community. Um, we have, we, we get together over food. Um, we talk about, um, what are the things that kind of would benefit them in their, in their department. Um, and we encourage, you know, community in, in more ways, too. So we do our um, directors meetings. We get all the departments together because we want to have a continuity and voice and mission. And so I think that is so important because a lot of times when you have a lot of staff and a lot of departments, it can be a little bit of mission drift in different areas. And so it's very important for us to say, hey, we, we, we're doing this work together for this reason. And then we also share the, the victories with um, the, the staff of like, hey, your work here at the store has led to this woman's success here. Your work mm-hmm. here in Worth It has led to this woman's success here and at the well. And so it's so important to share that um, and share that news so that they know that what they're doing, the investment they're, they're giving of their time and of their efforts Um, are paying off in dividends and not just dividends as in stocks paying back dividends, but dividends of investing in someone's life and seeing that life be changed.
3: Yes. Woohoo. Yes, absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk, I want to shift gears on you a little bit and I want to talk about um, something that is happening across our nation, which is the decriminalization of exploitation and or prostitution um, for, for the exploited buyers and um, and exploiters. Uh, that is a huge movement that's happening in New York and Oregon and California. Um, I want to get your insight on that and, um, and also um, legalization. So, you know, decriminalization, legalization, either one. Um, so we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to love. Never fails radio. For more
1: information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com That's Us.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages.
2: Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Dan Emmer, who is the founding executive director of Worthwhile Wear. We're learning about this amazing program that he is running in Pennsylvania um, and just serving... Uh, I actually didn 't ask you how many people do you serve on an annual basis Stan
4: yeah through our through our outreach program right now it 's around one hundred and twenty, and then our housing um, is about um, twelve women because the housing model is more intensive um, and and that 's something that we 're actually excited to share about our worth it program is being offered on a national level uh, organizations or, or organizations or housing programs that provide services already to survivors of trafficking. This is an outreach tool. Um, it's free. We don't charge for it. We provide you the curriculum, the equipment um, that you need and and the resources. We actually will send a trainer to you. And so we have um, different organizations already around the country that have started working with us on this um, because we want to serve um, more individuals. And we know that we aren't the only ones that are, are capable of doing this. So we have a program that has um, great feedback, um, phenomenal um, responses from the women in the program. In fact, actually, I mentioned that that film, the short film Voice of Trauma. Um, mm-hmm. In the end of that, there's notes um, that are written by survivors that are incorporated into that. And if you wanted to watch that, it's on our website, dot worthwhileware.org under the about uh, drop down. Um, but those are ways that we're able to reach that many in our communities.
3: Wonderful. Um, well, so so, you know, I want to just kind of bring in as we think about those um, the various ways that you're engaging, whether it's imparting curriculum so that people can help survivors in their community or the thrift stores, which are employing, you know, survivors um, or the housing, which is rebuilding, you know, starting from the ground up, rebuilding people's lives. Um, As as we think about each one of those expressions um, of love, how is it that you are um, keeping everybody kind of aligned, keeping everyone, uh, on page. Um, and, um, and also, um, moving in one sort of aligned common, uh, growth or, um, path. And what kind of impact, as I mentioned, will legislation that basically opens up, uh, the market increases demand for sex? And open opens up the what kind of impact will that have on an organization like yours, which is already um, doing a whole lot, but will more than likely have more to do. T- tell us a little bit about your thoughts there,
4: Vanessa. I love that compound question there. You just add a couple <laughs> one. So, how do we stay on track? How do we do it together? Again, it's just very much mission driven. We we have that continuity and messaging across the board. Um, it's something that we work really hard on as a team. And it really comes from the top down, from our, our, our board of directors, our advisory board, um, you know, they all have the, the same heart and vision for what we're working to accomplish. And so that allows us to have the continuity in services. And And as you brought up, you know, we talk about this legalization and and, and as opposed to trafficking or, or you'll have individuals that are maybe in prostitution or forced prostitution, and then you'll have the terms of, of sex work. And so I think it's important. I, I love having these discussions. I honestly, I will, I will work with individuals that are in this, in this field. And, um, and I said, listen, I want to hear everyone's viewpoint. And, and from what we have seen and what we understand is as far as studies go, when you talk about legalization, right? And you talk about um, those that are in it by choice and those that are in it by necessity, those that wish to stay in it and those that wish to get out of it, the, the, the stats come out to about 90%, more precise, it's around 89%, if given the chance, would leave. Would, would get out of it, meaning that it's not a very good employment scenario. And, and the reason why, right? So I'm not negating the 10 or 11%. I'm saying if, if that's truly where you stand, that's your choice. But the majority is who we're working with. The majority is who we're, we're assigning our programming to uh, and equipping our, our, our uh, you know, designing our program to equip and serve those majority, the 90%. And so what I, what I, caution people. And as we talk about, so we could simply talk about legalization of marijuana, right? And so people say, well, that's gone okay. It's not really a big issue. Well, the problem I have with legalization of of prostitution or sex is that marijuana is a product. And And I would caution people not to substitute a person for a product in this equation because a person is not a product and it's not the purchase of a of a product and simply a service. It's something much more intimate and involved. So that's number one. Number two is that if you were to legalize something, you then often have the, the risk in that there is going to be an increase of the product demand. right? So that means that if we can legalize something, that means there's going to be more demand to buy this thing. Now, if 90% are saying, I want to get out of this, that means that you're going to have a majority that are going to be essentially forced into by those that are trying to drum up more business and have more product to sell. And so I I caution on that. I think that more trafficking, more exploitation will happen if we see a legalization treating people as products and saying that this is fair game and go and sell yourself or be sold by another, you're going to see more exploitation increase. And so what what I wish people had a mindset of, And if I could encourage people to think differently, it would would be to take this this viewpoint of love people, use stuff, but never confuse the two. And I Mm. think we have a culture that uses people and loves stuff. And so Mm. what we're saying is let's have a divergence from that mindset where we have a culture of whatever I want, I'm going to get whatever I, I think will appease me, I will take. And, and and we start to use people as if they're stuff, and that's where we have a breakdown in in understanding the value in individuals, the value in classes of people, uh, and and so we we start to say you have this assigned value, you don't have this, and so I I really caution um, on this this idea of legalizing because it's not a product you're buying, it's a person, and so I I have that's where my my heart is and I, and again i've had multiple discussions with sex workers and and i and i hear them and i said your voice and your opinion is valuable to me but also let me share what i see in this work and doing this work for 11 years now uh, i've had a lot a lot of interaction with individuals in the, in the field uh survivors of exploitation that um will say to me you know that they wish it never happened to them and they wish it would never happen to anyone else and so to me that's where my Uh, my foundation is built on that. My guidance is from the actual voices from the streets from the voices that have been exploited is to hear them and say, I'm going to speak up for them and speak up for others because they say it's not valuable. It's not um, a safe thing to be involved in.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, you know, and I couldn't agree with you more. Love this, love people, use stuff instead of use people, love stuff. Oh, but if I can preach, then I want you to understand <laughs> that's really good. And it very much aligns with worthwhile wear, doesn't it? So um love that. I'm um, you know, as I've been doing my advocacy around these issues, I um couldn't agree with you more. Um the studies that I've seen, uh, I'd love to see the one you, you mentioned at 89%. I've seen 75% in the same range of people that want to get out. And so um, and this is in places like New Zealand where it's legalized. They're saying we, we want to get out. But unfortunately, once you legalize it, um, that it's treated as a career as a job. So there's no help to get out. It's like, you know, somebody saying I'm work at Walmart. I want to get out and people saying well figure it out if you want to get out so there's not a, a lot of incentive to help someone once you legalize or you decriminalize the market because it's normalized at that point mm-hmm. um and to your point about the intimacy right piece uh it's just one other thing that um pops out at me and i don't know if people have seen the stats but uh, you know um uh, one study showed that 50% of those that are buying uh, sex are married mm-hmm. and um when you think about going to, let's say, a red light district to purchase sex, um, someone who's married is not going to do that. They're not going to go where everybody knows that that's the area where sex buyers go and be on video and go log their name and do everything all safe. And and so what we know is that uh, people are, uh, whenever you have a, a legal market, there's always at least that level, if not higher of an illegal market, it does not eliminate the illegal market just grows it, grows the demand. So um, these are some of the data points that you know concern me. And as a fellow service provider, um, I just, um, I go, whoa, like I've already got my, I'm already in over my head here. Uh, how much more can we possibly do? Like you said, to appeal to, suicide support that one that says, I wish this never happened to me. And I hope it never happens to anyone else I ever meet. So Thank you for what you do, Dan. We're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to come back with some final words. So thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We'll be right back.
1: To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We just had a wonderful time talking with Dan Emmer of Worthwhile Wear. Thank you for all of your uh, insight on your your programming and uh, your empathy and insight into this issue of human trafficking. Um, Dan, how can people get involved with your work?
4: Well, Vanessa, we love engaging our, our community because we see that the best results is when the community gets involved with us, says we want to be part of the solution. Um, we've actually over the years come up with different things. One One way that people can do right away is when we oftentimes talk about human trafficking. We share about this issue that really hits people at their core. They want to act. They're like, what can I do? And so we created a challenge, uh, I think four years ago, maybe five years ago. Uh, It's a national challenge called the ACT Challenge. And it's where people, when they hear about this, they want to act, they want to get involved. We say, go out and be active, right? Go out and, and, um, and we do this heavy lifting of getting sponsors from around the country. And then the larger community can go out there. And for every mile that's logged a um, dollar is donated to provide long-term housing and outreach and employment programs. So you don't have to do any fundraising. Your listeners don't have to do any fundraising. We've already done that. And so our goal was a hundred thousand miles by July 30th, which is world day against trafficking. Uh, we've already surpassed the hundred thousand mile Mark, but we want to just keep pushing those miles higher. And so we have, um, People from all over the country, from the West Coast to the East Coast to the Midwest, all engaged right now. It's a great way for schools to raise awareness with their students. And the students go out and they log a mile collectively walking around after assembly. And it's great seeing all those young students applying their names to this. We have families, we have organizations, businesses from around the country that are involved. And so people can actually go and be active. And so, again, if you visit our website, uh, worthwhileware.org, um, the act challenge is the first thing you'll see. It talks more about it, how you can get involved. Um, so that's one easy way you can get involved. Another way that's more of um, involvement in a, a longer term impact. I, I shared how the worth it program is, is being offered around the country to different organizations. We also have done the same with, um, with our worthwhile thrift is actually now being developed into a worthwhile thrift network. So if an organization or even an individual is saying, Hey, I would like to run and and own my own worthwhile thrift. We've uh, set that up and we have um, information that we can send to you. And it's a way that you can actually pay your bills and make some money. But you also know that funds coming from that are being reinvested into the programs you've heard about today. And so we have organizations that are saying, Hey, I don't have a real way that I can employ women in my program. And I also don't have any other way to generate funding other than donors And so that's where it started from and say, if you want to have your own owner operated worthwhile thrift, um, it's part of a network. So there's a lot of continuity. It's a it's a brand that is associated with serving survivors of sexual exploitation and trafficking. And there's a lot of power in that mission. And I can tell you that we have seen um, just the, the levels of response from our community circle around these stores and and step up and say, hey, we want to get involved with this. And so that's another thing that we're offering too. So again, if you want to find information about that, you can visit our website. Those are ways that people can get involved today.
3: Beautiful. Excellent. And your website again, Dan?
4: (laughs) Worthwhilewear.org. So it's worthwhile, then wear as in clothing, (laughs) w-e-a-r.org.
3: Very good. Okay. Well, you heard it here and please do support Dan and the worthwhile wear team. Also a few things from Love Never Fails. I want to encourage you to go to our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com. And there you will see a events button. Um, There you will notice that we have quite a few things we'd love for you to get involved in. One is we have a church coalition Quarterly meeting and training, which is going to be talking about the heart of outreach, how to get out into your city and reach people that are ensnared in human trafficking and other types of uh, challenges. And so that is going to be 930 to 1130 a.m. over Zoom. And you could register on our website for free. Uh, We also want to encourage you to um, register now for our free event, which is called Activate Outreach Conference. It will be 9 to 5 p.m. at Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro, California. That is an in-person event. We'd love to have you come out. Uh, You you will hear from survivor leader Elizabeth Kuros and um, executive uh, director or co-founder of Redemption House of the Bay Area. Um, Also, uh, ministry leader Ted Haas and uh, Norma Ward um, clinician. Um, We're just going to be covering this in a lot of different ways. Uh, outreach is super important also um freedom walk is on september the 23rd from ten thirty to 2 p.m in oakland you can sign up there and lastly our golf tournament which is on october 23rd and all the details again are there at love dot com forward slash events last thing is i'd love for you to go to love never fails us dot com and click on take action and support our house. We have a, an appeal for one of our homes, which is um, uh, up for sale. And we want to buy the home. Uh, but we don't have the uh, the capital to do so. And so we'd love your support. We are trying to raise $100,000 to purchase our first home. And you can do that by clicking take action on our website and giving right there on the website. So that's it. That's all we have for today. As usual, if you haven't heard it before, if you need to hear it again, always remember that you are loved.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio.